Hello, and welcome to the Cash News Podcast, informative conversations about all things currency and cash. We'll share insights on the issues affecting the world of cash today, like cash security, payments technology, and the cash supply chain. Your hosts, Tom Meehan and Sean Ferrari, hope to inform industry professionals and support better cash security and management by sharing the latest information on trends, strategies, and technology. This is the Cash News Podcast. Now, here's Tom and Sean. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cash News Podcast. Sean, what's going on, man? Hello, everybody. Good to uh, be in your ear holes again on another week of fun payment and cash news and excitement. Although, relatively a slow week. Tom and I were just chatting that there wasn't a whole lot of new stuff in this this uh, still mid-summer week, but we've got a couple couple interesting things to talk about. But no, not, not a whole lot. I've just been planning for, our, for some of our upcoming events, so looking forward to that, where maybe we'll get a, a dose of new information of what's been going on in the world as we get out and about this fall. So the heat wave in the Northeast is, is officially over today, so... Today I woke up and it was 80 degrees and not 100% humidity. It hasn't blown through here in D.C. yet. It's supposed to in the, the next hour or two. Um, we're expecting some storms to come through. And it was 96 last time I was outside, but it's supposed to get down tonight. We're much cooler today than we have been all week. So maybe you'll see it. Um, that literally when I woke up this morning, it was 79, which is funny, right? Saying like, that's cool, but there was no humidity. So it like, I opened my door and it was refreshing. My air conditioner wasn't running at 100%. When I got home last night, I don't know what the real temperature was. My car said 101 and it was humid. So that's, while I'm complaining it's too hot in a few months, we'll be complaining that it's snowing or something. So of course, yes. You know, it's uh, it's definitely there. And I, I we're not, I think we, we agreed that we wouldn't really talk about this, but for those of us, you know, who are here watching or listening, probably listening more than uh, watching because we know that we have a, a listenership more than a, a viewership that COVID is, is still here. I think we adapted and figured it out, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, we've adapted to it, seems to be able to, to handle it a bit better. I know all the kids are starting to go back to school now and seems okay. Travel is has definitely resumed and I think it's still, you know, I've got a bunch of flights set for this fall and I seem to you know, every now and then go in and check on them. And more often than not, I have to like rebook them because the schedules have changed and I have like 10 stops to get between point A and B. And I'm like, that's not what I booked. So there's still, so there's definitely still some travel challenges out there uh, as they right size their fleets and find staff and what have you. But it's- yeah, I know we didn't plan on talking about this, but it's an interesting point. It's like kind of like the supply chain piece. Like we would think at this point it would resurface, but I, I, I didn't fix itself. But I think COVID kind of aired out some of the challenges that were always there. Specifically with travel, I agree with you. Like I travel a lot. There's less planes. All the planes are full, by the way. I, I've not been on a not full plane in literally months. And, and no matter where I go, when anybody says people aren't traveling, I'm like, you haven't been on a plane recently because they're full. I do think we're in this quasi trying to figure out, like, I hate the term new normal. We're past that term. Um, I think we're way past that term. But the reality is that, you know, while we've, I guess, maybe accepted it, we still have things that just aren't the way they used to be. And I think that's the way I would say this. They may never be the way they used to be. They may, they may never go back. Air travel, I think, is interesting when we add in, in the inflation and the, the fuel costs. Air travel is obviously expensive right now. But 
feel like air travel is always expensive in the summer. Like, so maybe it's more expensive, but I, I see that changeover. The one thing I will say that's interesting when you travel a lot is, so Air Canada, you got to wear a mask. United, you don't. You go to the same place. So like, I I found myself getting on a plane and the guy yelling at me and be like, oh, wait, I traveled 145,000 miles this year and haven't worn a mask in six months. Don't get mad at me because I didn't know. Like, I'm really sorry. I'm digging through my bag. He's like, I have a mask. Didn't you read? And I'm like, and then I afterwards I read and it was nowhere I could find it. So I thought it was a really interesting dynamic of literally I travel almost every week. And that when I went to Canada last week, I usually fly United, I flew Air Canada and I needed a mask. And I thought to myself, huh, it's interesting. And then other thing in Montreal, in certain parts of the airport, I kid you not, you wear a mask and other parts you you don't. And I was not upset by it. I was just, it was more like, if you're not a frequent traveler, it must be really, it must really stink to be like, it, it, you must be on edge. Like, do I put a mask on? Do I not? So I thought that was interesting to say the least of of how it how it works so yeah no i mean i think it is it is all about trying to figure that stuff out and it's you just i found myself in a couple situations where we're similar to that whether it's going into a specific store or if i travel to a different part of the country even where they're a little more strict on mask mandates or or what have you it's kind of like oh do you have a mask and then it's like oh i just got rid of all those in my car i better like see if i can track one down Yeah. Although I'll tell you the most disgusting thing that happened to me while we're on the topic of masks. While I was in Athens for our payments conference, there was very little mask wearing except when you were on public transport. And public transport was also considered Ubers, which I had been in many Ubers and none of them required masks. But then I got an Uber and this particular guy required the mask. Mm -hmm. So he reaches in his glove box and he hands me a mask and he's like, here you go, you can wear this. And it was like pre-worn by like God knows how many people. It was the most disgusting thing I've seen in my life. And you still work. Well, yeah, I had to get where I was going. So yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and then he took it back at the end to pass on to the next guy. <laughs> By no means am I a doctor. Pretty sure <laughs> that that would be a, a challenge. Yeah, yeah I'm no, pretty sure that would be worse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> interestingly enough, it's funny that you say this because you draw draw my attention to the Air Canada piece where. I was getting on the flight and the guy, this isn't the old days of COVID. That's the only way I can say it. Like where if you asked for a mask, it was like sealed in a bag. Like he legit reached in a drawer. (laughs) And I thought for a second, like, I don't want to wear that. But then I was like, I got to get on this flight. Like I have a meeting. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't have a mask. And then I bought it. I bought a mask. A, you know, a paper mask in the airport to make sure that I didn't use that. But it is that weird quasi, and I'm with you. Like I literally just, and I think it was a week before that I said, I can finally get a hundred masks out of my bag. Cause I was like, you know, I had like the control tech mask. I had the, the nice mask, the paper mask. And when you travel internationally, I don't know if you experienced this too. In Europe, it was like one country wanted N95. The next com- country wanted when, when, when there was still masks, the next was a surgical mask. So like, I remember being in Germany with someone that works with me and he had a cloth mask on. And I'm like, dude, they're going to say something. And he's like, no way. And the police approached him and was like, (laughs) you can't wear that mask. And he was like, I can't believe that I just got approached by the police to change my mask. And it was, yeah. So it definitely, I think I'm cautious to say anything of that. You know, I think we're adapting to it, right? I think we're learning that it is part of life now, but I don't necessarily think, you know, I wouldn't, use terminology like we're out of the woods or this is this is no I, I i think there's still something to be, to be said about it and 
I know in New York, New Jersey area, there are certain like, so for instance, in New York City proper, you get a message to wear a mask in an Uber. So right. there are some public transportation rules. However, I use Uber pretty often and um, no one has enforced it in New York. They've actually said just the opposite of like, it's fine if you're vaccinated, don't wear a mask. And then I'm thinking like, okay, but it's definitely still part of what we do. I also, you'll appreciate this, saw a sign, an unnamed restaurant who said, we're not accepting money because money is not clean. Just because I, because it's me, I said, oh, I have this, a 20 on me. And they're like, oh, we'll take your money. We just don't. And then, and then the next thing that came out of their mouth is the thing that no one said, we just don't have any change. It's easier to say that. That was literally what, what they said. So I said, how many people offer cash in a day? And the guy was like, I don't know, two or three. He's like, so it's not an issue, but he was like, our boss just made this sign up. This is a, a chain that has a lot. I mean, a lot of stores. Like not a few, like probably more than 10,000. So Yeah. Well, and I had that experience at a retailer. It was a little while ago, but it was essentially the same thing. The signs were up saying electronic payments only. And then person in front of me only had cash. And they talked, same thing. They were like, hey, I only have this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we'll take it. We just, we don't have the change. I almost never carry cash. I was doing an experiment for the podcast. Like I had no actual, I didn't actually plan on paying with cash. I was just going like, I wonder what would happen if I said like this. And so, but I, I've actually experienced the, the latter more recently than where credit card has been down. And actually, um, I'll name it because it wasn't a bad, it was a great experience. So I, I went to a Shake Shack for lunch right across from the office and their credit card machine was down and they didn't even ask for cash. If I presented my card and the guy said, lunch is on us, it's not your problem that our credit card machine doesn't happen. You know, he said, this is, you know, we, we, we want you to come back. I don't want you to, to have your experience here because of our systems issue. You could need, and then I went immediately thought, well, what if I had cash? He said, well, it'd be, you know, you don't have to pay for lunch. It's on us. But if you have cash and you want to, of course we can accept cash. We always can accept cash. And it was like the complete polar opposite. And I'm assuming based on the dialect with the person that either he was extremely well-trained or a supervisor or manager, because it was a it was a great customer experience that, that, from a standpoint of it wasn't our issue and he said it wasn't like oh this stinks we're giving away it was like no like it's not your issue that our credit card machines aren't working and that's a really a good experience because the flip and I won't mention the retailer my wife and I were shopping it was a, a large retailer their credit card system was down and and they kept saying try again just keep trying, yeah, just keep trying. <laughs> and I was literally going, you know, going to go to the car because I knew I had money in the car. Cause I'm like, I don't, this is like you, right? We have kids. My kids are six and 11. Like it's already, you know, like they don't want to be there. And it was a really, really poor experience. And they basically were like, Oh yeah. Our, if you have cash, you can use cash. But right now credit and debit is down and sorry type of thing. And the lines were crazy and everything. Was it was the polar opposite. Now I'm not expecting everything to go away for free, but you've got to have stop gaps and things in place. I know in my past retail career, we had SOPs for when a register went down, like you could manually take a transaction and we would risk loss to, to not. So it's, it's what you and I always talking about is that, you know, despite all of the doom and gloom around cash, I go to my Shake Sack example, we'll always take cash. It's easy for us to do that. So 
Yes. I know you, you were going to talk about cash. What, what are we hearing? No, I mean, well, yeah. maybe maybe on your your retail talking there and what happens with it. I would just kind of throw out. I went to a Amazon Fresh store a couple times. A new one opened up in the neighborhood, so I keep getting these. $20 off coupons. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll go. But talk about no cash, right? I mean, they do have cashiers, a few cashiers, so they they will take cash. But by and large, you know, it is the whole process of just go to the shelf, pick what you want, throw it in your basket and walk out the door and they just charge you for it. And first, let me say it blows my mind still because I'll go in there and I'll pick stuff off the shelves. I'll take like four bananas. I'll take like two apples, everything. And somehow, I don't know how they know exactly what I took. Yep. And it, it works. It works. It, I yep. mean, there's, there's sensors everywhere all over the, the ceiling and like all that sort of stuff. It's, it's cool. It's really cool. I mean, I will say it is a bit unnerving though, because you leave without having any idea how much you spent or if they've done it right. Yeah. Um, and it takes about three, four hours to get the email with the, I don't know why it takes this long, but it takes three or four hours to get the email with the receipt. It's a it's a good chunk of time where you've left like, and you're like <laughs> it probably shouldn't well, take that long. It shouldn't, but every time I've gone and I talk to a couple other folks that have gone and it's it's consistently that time. I don't know if it's just huh. what's going on, but yeah, I, I expected it to be kind of instantaneous. Um, I don't really know why it wouldn't be, and maybe maybe it will get get there. Maybe it's just something with the store. I don't know, but yeah, it's like an hours long delay to get it. It's been right, you know, there's been, they've taken the coupon and everything and it's been fine, but it's definitely a weird experience because as I said, you, you have no idea. Um, it's, it's the next level. I mean, and we were going to talk a little bit about more and more people these days are using cash to budget and all that sort of stuff. Well, that would be very hard to do in a store like that, just because you have, at least when you're using credit cards, right, you still know when you leave <laughs> how much your, your yeah. bill is <laughs> and this one, you have no idea. That, that's a pretty, I mean, that's a wild kind of uh, experience. So I've, I've actually been in through work, you know, 50% of our business is retail, right? So I've actually had the luxury of seeing some early adopters of some of this technology outside of just, not just Amazon. And from a techie nerdy Tom standpoint, I think it's amazing to watch it work. It's very expensive. I mean, to scale, like it really is, especially but there are different technologies. There are sensor-based, there are you know, image sensor-based, there are RFID-based, there's a whole bunch of different ones. And I've experienced all of them. Uh, interestingly enough, I actually was, was overcharged in a demo store. This was not an Amazon. You know, it was easy, right? Like the app, it worked so well that it was unnerving, like you said. Like I just went, but they overcharged me or something. And it was an easy experience. I went to the app and said I was charging correctly and it was like 30 seconds, no stress. However, I only bought like, I know, I don't have to say it. I bought something from a test transaction, like as a toy, like I didn't. So if I was truly shopping, I wouldn't have even known that I was charged incorrectly. And it was just uncomfortable in the airport. I, I saw a lot of airports adopt them, but I've seen them slowly mm. move back to the scan yourself type position. I'm assuming because of the cost. And then probably my favorite cashier of the story is in Europe. I was in, um, I want to say Frankfurt, the train station in Frankfurt, it probably was. And uh, there was a cashier of the store, but they had people working in it. And the lady spoke perfect English. And she said, look, we have to have people work because people can't figure out how to do it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just thinking like, so it completely defies the purpose like of having a, an empty store. So do I think that's the future? I think that's a part of the future. I really, really do. And I don't know that it's a bad or a good thing. I think it's part of what you and I always talk about the evolution of like cash usage and 
how there are some people that are dead set against saying cashews is different. And they just, yeah. no, they, it's almost this, this strong line of it's not different. And they are, and the examples are the same on both sides, right? I think people that are really heavy into cash use the same unbanked, these examples and people that are in the technology side use the same examples. However, from a risk hat, I don't know the answer to this, but it's interesting. Maybe we'll find a guest to do this. I'm interested in how you deal with credit card fraud in those scenarios because you are not, you know, you're not physically touching the card. Now, granted, I know the perception is, you know, Sean registered with an app. I know who Sean is, but that doesn't change the fact that you don't necessarily probably have the same rights to defend yourself on, on fraud. And I do know, factually, I was at a meeting with a major retailer um, this week, just, just, a, a meeting to talk about trends and very similar to like what we do with currency research and what's, you know, more of education. And one of the things that came up was how they're seeing a shift in people loading stolen credit cards onto con cell phones to get around, you know, some of the fraud measures that they had in place. So I'm, I'm anecdotally, right, curious. I think that when you think of that, there are a lot of behind the scenes things that people don't think about. Certainly customer experience, like the uneasy pieces, you and I just being concern like once we did it a few times we were like this is sweet i'm not gonna talk to anybody i get my own bag and go but the reality is if i was shopping in large quantity i just know i'd feel the need to check check to say like did i get charged right like did i did i right you know, did, did, I not, did i not and it is fairly accurate depending on which technology you use um yeah i know i was impressed because i was there with somebody else and we were both you know grabbing things off of shelves you know even across the store right and then walking back to the cart and like put him in the bag and it still got it. I was like, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, don't know. Cool. I think <laughs> the image-based ones are remarkably good. And I obviously got to go to a lab one and was really digging in to say like, what happens if I put this back and pick it up? Right. It seemed to capture everything right. But the error that I had in, in the test store was a pricing error, not, mm. it was the right item. It was just the wrong price was charged. And that could have been just a signage issue. Like you don't even know. I guess it's the techies that I think it's kind of fun. Yeah, and there's still ways to use all the different payment forms, right? It's because it's yeah. going to come out of, in this case, in an Amazon case, right? It comes out of your Amazon, yep. however you have your Amazon app set to pay, right? So if you're paying off of your Amazon card, normally, it just comes right off of that. If you have a gift card or you've loaded cash onto your Amazon account through however you do that, it will just deduct from that, right? So it's, there's still ways to do it. And as I said, there, there of course, is a cashier or two that will ring you out. If you if you want to go that route, I've actually gone to several live stores where the only person working was stocking mm. and would answer questions. Um, but in the airport specifically, and, and they went away from it. Like I actually liked it because at night in New York Airport there was two that were fully automated, and no matter what time it was, you could go in. Now they're still there, but believe it or not, this is I guess this is me being lazy, right? Now you have to scan everything yourself. So like a late flight, it was always like, oh cool, cool I can grab a drink before I go get my car. And now I'm like, oh, man, I got to scan all the stuff. Like I got to find the scanner. So after I used it at the airport many times, that was a different system. Like you put, I put your card in like the turnstile, your credit card in the turnstile wasn't, wasn't app based at all. And again, that one, you really don't have any idea. Like you, you don't have to put in, you want a receipt, right? Like can text your email you. It, it is really weird because you don't interact with a screen anywhere. So you put your card in and you're going like, I think uh, <laughs> I, I think I did this, or maybe I did, maybe I didn't. It's a really odd experience that way, but definitely, I think it's it, it's part of the future play. 
something we probably we probably got to find a guest. If there's a guest listening that is in that space, come on and talk to us about it. Tell us what we're see what we're doing what we're hearing because yeah and it is a i think it is a generational shift too i mean it's going to be interesting to see how the next generation who is much more comfortable in the metaverse or wherever right just (laughs) everything just happens and so forth and they're okay with it you know we'll, we'll see what happens i i do wonder though on the on the budgeting front what that even means for future generations in the extreme right like at least we're still uncomfortable a little bit with it where it's like gee i wonder how much money i just spent um, i should probably know that i i do wonder as more and more things kind of are just electronic and the transactions just kind of happen if just the concept of budgeting and how much you're spending i don't know if the concept just changes and it's a non-issue or if it becomes more of a financial issue for future generations because they don't have that kind of like I have this set amount of money I should be able to deal with. <laughs> I think budgeting in general, like I think they're, at least from my perspective, it's a really valid point because I feel like there's a lot of different things that come up about budgeting and you have all this app-based budgeting and all this subscription-based stuff where I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the subscription-based, I, I saw some study again this week that it was crazy. It was like, it was about when people get married, basically how they have to combine or not all their different subscriptions and all that sort of stuff. And it was like looking at the analysis, it was something, it was over a hundred. It was like over a hundred monthly or however periodic subscriptions that everybody has electronically. And that's a case of, you just don't know it. You just don't have any idea that these things are still out there. (laughs) I'm bad at reconciling. Like I have as much automated as possible and I'm really bad at going back and being searched. Right. But last night, I happened to get a notification for a charge where my card wasn't present and it was for a DoorDash subscription that I didn't even know I had. (laughs) And I haven't used DoorDash in literally like since COVID, you know, middle of COVID. And I must've said like, yeah, sure. I'll get free shipping today. And then I went back and I've been paying $10 a month for, (laughs) for like a year and didn't even know. And, and like, that's not the end of the world, but like the truth is if I didn't get that notification, yeah. I would still be paying it and forever. No, that's that's like exactly that's that's when I found out most about them too. When like my credit card expiration date expires or something like that, right? Or I changed yep. the credit card number because it was stolen or or what have you. And then like six months later, everything starts failing. That's on like the recurring charges, right? And it's like, what the hell is this? It's like oh, six ninety nine yeah. every month for whatever. Yeah. The <laughs> other the other thing I would say about subscriptions that's an interesting phenomenon because of inflation is everything the price increased. And I like, again, not being on autopilot, I get so, I'm sure you do so many emails between work and personal that I don't, can't remember the last time I I looked at a Netflix email, but I was listening to the radio and someone's like, oh, Netflix increased again. I went, look, I didn't even know, like, I'm like, I don't even know what I pay for Netflix. Like, I don't even, I've had it for so long. That is why the subscription economy is so interesting, right? Because they're, companies are banking on that you're not going to use it. That's how they make their money. They're, they're banking on the fact that we can keep doing this. So I, I think that goes to your point about budgeting though, is that when you are paying with cash and you are budgeting with cash, there virtually is no way for that to happen, right? Like you have to hand the money and the yeah. old envelope of money, you know, that when it's empty, it's empty, alleviates all of that. I mean, there is no actual viable way for it to happen. Exactly. And I think, you know, and, and that's another thing, as I've read this past week, that people are resorting more and more to that now, as things are more expensive and inflation's up there, right? People are trying to find ways to reduce their credit load. And one of those things is 
you know, good old cash budgeting and they're going back to it. But to your point, you know, you can only do that for so many things. I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of way to pay Netflix with cash, but I don't know how. <laughs> I yeah. Know. I, 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 and I, I, I think, um, I, I don't know, you and I, is, it feels like forever ago, we were talking about unbanked versus banked and that these folks have to go so far out of their way to yep. make a payment because they can't pay with cash. They got to go to a grocery store, buy a, a money order, Western Union, all these different things. So I think there has been kind of a really challenging, difficult way if you have to pay with cash, like, all right, yeah, you can jump through all these shoes, but it, it's, it becomes kind of counterproductive. And even Amazon, like I, I remember vividly reading about months ago how they were trying to make it easy to, you know, if you wanted to buy something, this is what you had to do. Um, and it, again, it kind of goes to, there are still people that really are in that position or and there are some people like in the cannabis world or some businesses that are just heavy cash businesses, you know, yeah. that are completely legitimate. They're paying their taxes. They just, they don't, they just get paid in cash. So they use cash. So I think, I think that's still there. What, yeah. what are you hearing? I mean, I know that you, you had some overseas conference. What, what, are, what are the hot topics that people are talking about? So that conference was on payments and so forth. So it was still trying to, to discuss just the changing infrastructure in the real-time payments, faster payment space. A lot of central banks, a lot of countries are, you know, adapting, whether it's faster payments, real-time payments, they're all looking at digital currencies of, of some degree and then still running, you know, cash systems. So it was kind of just a, everybody's kind of struggling with how do they all interplay? What are the uses for each, you know, and, and in the digital currency space, obviously, still just kind of some countries are more advanced than others in it but it's a lot of just kind of pilots and test cases and trying to figure out what it really means and all that sort of stuff but i mean from a cash standpoint i think you know the the largest trend was it's still being used <laughs> some countries yeah it's declining some it's growing but in all cases it's still being used yeah there's definitely cultural divide i mean I, I know when you travel to like germany people are using cash right like there's yeah. a, some countries it's it's almost the opposite i know when i i haven't been to china since before covid it was the polar opposite right and you know in, in most parts of china in any developed areas like there's no paper money anymore they just almost look at you strangely however if you're not you, you as a u.s citizen can't use a lot of the payment methods so it becomes a little confusing i know that the first couple of times i went it was actually pretty tricky for me to figure out in certain places like all right well how do i actually pay for stuff because they weren't taking american express at, at, at places they weren't doing this they weren't doing that and i remember finding my asking myself like man like this is much more difficult than it could be however it is kind of the where we're at type of scenario yeah no it is and i think you know, we're starting to put our agenda together for the next digital currency conference, which is next May in Mexico City, for anyone interested. Um, but we're putting that agenda together. And, you know, some of the some of the sponsors were starting to ask me, we'd rather pay for this in crypto or in digital currency. It's a lot easier for us to pay with that than it is to pay in dollar or euro or or what have you. So it's, it's an interesting thing. They're just, they're in essence more liquid in in crypto than they are in fiat or in, in a thing. So I, you know, so we're trying to figure that out ourselves and be like, do we want to do that? And if we did, what would we, which digital currency would we accept? Or, you know, we're not going to, 
take everything. <laughs> I don't know. It's an interesting kind of payment space to be in as well. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's actually one of the things I think I'm starting here with retailers of this conundrum. I, I don't want to call it a conundrum, but I think it is kind of in reverse. Like, I, I, should we take Bitcoin? Okay, how do we take it? How do we physically? Right. Like, and, and, and like for you, the same thing. Like, how would you act? How would you physically do it? If someone gave it to you, you'd be like, all right, thanks. <laughs> right. Like, it's not that easy. It isn't oh, yeah. that easy yet. And yeah, if you're in the space and you're listening to this and you're going to say, of course it's easy. You go to this, this, and this. But the argument is if you if you don't have that set up, if you don't know, and then the, the fee structure for some crypto is very, very high. Like, I mean, um, I know that there are some of the larger crypto exchanges. If you're outside of Bitcoin, it gets a little bit pricey to move it around. So yeah, so you got to figure all that out. I, I'm pretty tech savvy and it's not super intuitive. It, until you do it. So if you're a merchant of any kind, like even in your case, like someone was like, all right, I want to send 10 people and I want to pay in Bitcoin. You're going to go like, I'm not sure. I, <laughs> right. I'm not, we're, not, we're not equipped to do that. Like physically not equipped to do it. Yep. So I think that is something in the future as anybody who collects payment has to at least be a thought. I think, I don't know that we're there where the masses are trying to pay. No, it's definitely not. And and, and it came up in this case, obviously, because we're dealing with people that mine their own coins and that sort of yeah. stuff. And it's yeah, like... yeah. But it is, it, is, it is an interesting kind of where the future goes and kind of the evolution of how we're, you know, how we're moving to the next kind of era of payment. And speaking of crypto, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm not joking when I say this, although sometimes I, I think I sound like you and I are joking because I, I know we're not against cryptocurrency at all. We're just saying like, hey, be very mindful of what it means. And so I, I read a, a slew of articles this morning about analysts it's so interesting because it, it's very similar to the stock market now. However, it wasn't supposed to be like Bitcoin was up to 24,000. So the floor, you know, the analyst, the floor has been met. It's now starting to rise again. Like it's not going to go any lower. And it's a really interesting piece because I think Bitcoin, specifically cryptocurrency in general, but specifically Bitcoin, if a whole bunch of people write that it's doing well, you actually can tie a direct relationship with all these people saying it's doing well and watching it intermittently increase. So still very curious of where that leads. I'm very neutral on it. I think it's like any other investment. I think if you're going to invest in it and you and you have money that you're willing to take the risk on, go for it. You might, you know, but I also would say that like any of these more modern type investments, there's risk. And just recently, I think we talked about it briefly, but like, you know, the FBI just added the first woman to the top 10, you know, most wanted list. And it was someone who created a coin got $4 billion and it was all pretend. Like it was all made up and then she disappeared. And like, how did she disappear? I'm like, well, she has $4 billion in cash that she took from people to create this coin. And the anomaly here is that it's not an anomaly. Like you could create a fictitious coin and, and get people to pay for it. And there is no protection. It isn't protected. And so, yes, she's scammed and she's gonna, I'm sure at some point she'll end up somewhere Someone will catch her because where there's that type of money, usually Interpol, the FBI, and all the folks work together to kind of show, you know, hey, we're not, we won't let these things go. But it also leads to say that here is a very smart lady, very well, you know, it, to, to intelligent around it, but she basically cons a whole bunch of really smart people out of $4 billion. You know, that was one of those things where I was asked at a panel, like, what did I think of that? And I'm like, I, I, I think that that's one of the things we've kind of been saying all along is a lot of these currencies, you don't even know where they start these digital currencies. So you, it's very hard to understand, you know, what it is. And even Bitcoin, like one day we'll figure out 
who actually made Bitcoin. And I think we're all going to be really disappointed when we find out. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I, I have no inside info, by the way, but I think we're going to be disappointed. And I think it's going to be much like all of the other things that have come across that it's going to, you know, be a lot, a lot more of a story than some guy did it in his basement. I think that's a space we'll continue to watch. I know that you have something coming up in September because I'm on vacation and can't go. I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah. We've got a, uh, a cash cycle seminar in Manila coming up first week of September. So go out to the, the Asia markets and see what's going on with the cash cycle out there. Got Bank of Thailand, Philippines, a couple others. Um, so looking forward to hearing hearing from them what's going on. Reserve Bank of Australia is coming, New Zealand. So so it's good. Uh, we connect with that part of the world again. Then we uh, then we've got San Diego uh, for the Americas side of things, Latin America, North America in November, where I know you'll be helping us out yeah. with with a bunch of stuff out there. So that one should be good, coming together well. So yeah, so those are the, those are the two up next two upcoming ones. I think what we'll actually do, and Tom and I haven't discussed this yet, but I think what we'll what we'll do going into breaking that news. <laughs> going into that yeah breaking news going into that um, San Diego ones probably sometime in. In October, um, I think we'll do a live version of a like a LinkedIn live version of the cash news here, and maybe we'll bring in some some guests that will be speaking in in San Diego and do kind of a a live promo version of this, so people can be on the lookout for that. Yeah, I think it'd be great. I think anytime we do live, we have fun. And then yeah, we haven't decided yet. Are we? Do we think we're going to do a live live in San Diego? Yeah, I think so. I think we can definitely do that. Yeah, so we'll do a live live in San Diego, live in-person broadcast. I wonder if we should, you think it'll be cold enough to wear beanies in San Diego? Probably not, it's always something. I mean, maybe, maybe early in the morning, we can have the beanie on like outside or something. And then, I don't know if you're going or anybody, you know, is headed out to, uh, we're not doing it, but um, the SCTA show in Chicago. Yes, um, well, I, I, so I think I will be there. I have it on the calendar. I actually have an event. So this is one of those weeks where I have an event the, at, at UF. Um, Monday and Tuesday. So it, it piggybacks off of that. Anecdotally, and Brad Brad Moody, if you're listening, I think Brad and I said we were going to do something on stage together there. I don't know that that's actually going to happen, but if it does, it'll be amazing. Yeah, I'm supposed to be on stage there doing something as well. I don't know what. Um, well, maybe so. maybe we should figure out how to do it, do it together. So I, I, I don't know that um, any of that has actually been confirmed. There is potential that folks listening to this. Yes. So I want, I want to make sure that, yeah. yeah. So we don't know. But if we are both there, we may do another. We have to talk to Brad and, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, Lowers yeah. folks, SCTA folks. Maybe we can do another podcast live there as well. So we definitely should bring that up. And I think that's a great group. I'm looking forward to So that show, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that show. I'm looking forward to your show I, i'm i'm really excited about san diego i think it's going to be awesome to get everybody together um, i thought dc was great so i know that san diego will be good and um athens that happened athens happened yeah yeah we've got a there's a coin conference in amsterdam in october as well but that's really coin specific is there a coin shortage in amsterdam just curious well i'm not sure about in amsterdam yeah. but there are coin circulation challenges I apologize, <laughs> I apologize. it's not a shirt it's circulation challenge. i want to i want to crack myself because i for whatever reason always say shortage but a supply chain issue is the supply chain issue yes yeah. uh in various countries i don't know if amsterdam is one of them um but much like the u.s in in various countries there are so it will be a topic of discussion also a topic of discussion in san diego for that matter yeah yes. so that that's that's interesting yeah I, I would love to get feedback are you going are you are you going to amsterdam i am yeah awesome 
Yeah. All right. I think I think we're we've we've rambled on long enough. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. And I think one of the things we're gonna try to do, Sean and I, is if you are listening to this podcast, you should be able to find us. We're on LinkedIn. You can go to thecashnews.com and, and you're interested in joining us uh, to talk about anything related to cash, payments, uh, the payment cycle, anything. Anything really, yeah. We <laughs> would love to have you. Um, we have some guests lined up that are coming. It's more about scheduling. I think the goal for the remainder of the year is to try to do a couple live ones and then to get guests on and, and really to continue the banter and have fun. Any final words, Sean? No, I think that's uh, that's it for me. Great. Go and spend money one way or another, electronically or physically. That's right. Yeah. Spend that money and uh, everybody stay <laughs> safe and enjoy what I think is uh, right now. I'm not sure exactly when this will be out, but like we basically have, it's almost Labor Day, right? With two more weeks, yeah. two more weeks, and it's the end. Enjoy the rest of the summer. I know kids in some places are already getting back to school. Yeah. So we'll be back here and uh, we look forward to speaking to people in person. Indeed. To see everybody soon. Thanks for listening to the Cash News Podcast. We hope you found this episode insightful. Don't forget to like and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and be sure to visit us at thecashnews.com to stay up to date with the latest on the world of cash. Thanks again for listening to the Cash News Podcast.